Utah went into Waco and came away with the victory. But what can we learn from breaking down the film we're talking about on today's Locked On Utes? You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and thank you for making Lockdown Utes your first listen every single day. We are available on all platforms, including YouTube and where you may get your podcast. If this is your first time listening to our show, make sure you guys like and subscribe. Love interacting with you guys in the YouTube comments as well as on social media, where you can follow our show at Lockdown Utes. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. You can download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code Locked On College for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Once again, code Locked On College. That's all caps, no spaces. Locked On College for twenty dollars off your first purchase. That goes for any tickets, including the ones like this week to the Weber State game or any tickets throughout the season or any college tickets in general. But um, yeah, so make sure you guys head over and check out that great offer from our friends at Game Time. My name is JT Wistersil, former intern inside the University of Utah Athletic Department. And on today's show, we're breaking down the film of the Baylor game. Also close us up on the very end of just uh, how cool it was to see Dalton Kincaid in the NFL and some of the other YouTube stood out from the from the very first week, but especially Dalton in general, I just thought it was really cool to see him out there catching passes from someone like Josh Allen, even though he didn't come away with the win, of course. But uh, before we dive into the NFL stuff, got to start with the college game, of course, and as it pertains to Utah taking on Baylor and uh, what we learned from the game. And um, start with the offense, then we'll break down the defense in the second segment. But uh, in starting with the offense, first of all, I thought it was very fitting that the offense started with a delay game penalty, especially, unfortunately, when Bryson was under center, because that was just kind of a foreshadowing for overall Utah's offensive performance on the game and then especially with with Bryson under center because it just it didn't go that well but we'll talk about Bryson in a second I am going to go position by position and give my thoughts on everything so uh first talking about the quarterbacks overall I, I liked what we saw from Nate especially I mean how could you not late right like even in the first half he had that nice throw they put him in the game we'd only been running him of course really whenever he's in the game hadn't let him throw yet and he had a nice throw to Vele for about a uh, first down it was it was just a, a good job reading the defense and finding Vele in the middle of the field so he had a nice throw there and then look put him in the game Utah had the ball in the 12 so he led him on an 88 yard touchdown drive and it was really impressive he did a good job going through his reads uh making throws the first it was second and 15 because he took that sack I wish he would have thrown that one away but look it's, it's Nate Johnson he's an incredible athlete I understand why I thought maybe he'd be able to juke the defenders there so um, takes uh, not even the sack, but tackle for a loss, whatever you want to call it. Either way, that um, and then it puts him behind the sticks, and he does a good job. He looks right first, and then comes back to Matthews in the middle, who does a good job creating that separation and makes the throw while under duress too. And it was not the last throw he would make under duress. He also had that one where he was rolling out to the right on the move and hit Money Parks in stride too. He made a uh, multiple really good throws under duress. Also thought he did a good job going through pressure overall and going through his reads. Now he's not look. This is was his first. This is the most he's ever thrown the ball in a collegiate game. So there's still things, right? Like uh, Utah's first trip into the red zone, he forces one into Quinton Jackson, who ends up with like three guys around him. If he had waited an extra second, and there was pressure coming in on him, but I still think he could have gotten, if he would have looked right and then come back to the middle, he would have seen Thomas Yasmin wide open in the end zone for a touchdown. But that's a nitpick because, of course, Nate Johnson would go on to score that touchdown for Utah with good blocking by the offensive line showing off the speed and getting in the end zone too. So very impressed with what I saw by uh, Nate overall. Like I, I think Coach Wood even said he's made leaps and browns as a thrower, and you can tell he's making progress each week. It wasn't a, a perfect performance by Nate, but man, it was pretty close to a perfect final drive. I'll say that with his execution and what he was able to do, making those throws on the move, his ability to make those throws under, under on the move, his athleticism, his 
he's much better at throwing under duress is the reason he will be the starter as long as Cam is out because he does a much better than that than Bryson, who, like I said, Nate, very good performance. Unfortunately, Bryson Barnes did not. He really struggled, really struggled with pressure in his face. And I think the one thing that as I watch Bryson, that really frustrates me about him. And I, this also could be something the coaches get on these guys about. But man, when Bryson gets hit or just like there's bodies around him or anything like that, like he doesn't, if he escapes, he almost always escapes just to run. He doesn't look downfield. And there's multiple times after he got hit, if he would have looked downfield or not tried to force it somewhere, or if he would have just scrambled, even when he's scrambling, looked up, like there are guys open and he just doesn't see that. Cause once he get hit, it's like his brain just goes into, I got to run. I got to move pressures breaking into. So just not the same. Once he gets hit, he's rushed. He made a couple of nice throws throughout the game. Just, but I, I say a couple, I only mean like two, two to kind of five somewhere in that range there. Because, look, overall, it was a struggle, right? There were multiple sequences where he missed guys, just a load lock-in on a read, different things like that. So, yeah, Bryson, um, he, and the interception was awful. I mean, you just can't throw that ball. I understand. Like, that was a situation where kind of what I was talking about, right? Like, he was trying to run and look downfield make a play, but that's just one you obviously can't make in that situation because you got to see the the DB, DB linebacker, whoever was that picked it off. You just got to see the defender in that situation. So, yeah, just not comfortable. He's got really poor pocket presence, in my opinion, just as soon as there's multiple times where it's like he feels pressure when it's not really there. The, the whole seeing ghost thing kind of affects Bryson. So, yeah, just he, Bryson is still a guy. Like if something were knock on wood, like we want to see Nate Johnson as much as we could. Like if something were to happen with Nate and like Utah to go back to Bryson, they can continue to win games at home and do things because he's still a game manager. If Utah executes, we've seen them win with him in the past. But Nate Johnson is clearly this team's best option at quarterback right now and deserves to be the starter going forward. But I'm not like if Bryson's ever in the game again, like we're hopeless. It's hard to win on the road in college football. And Utah's defense was the only reason that they were in most of this game, right? With how bad the offense was overall. So, um, but for Nate, like I said, I'm really excited what I saw from him. And I, I'm very much looking forward to seeing him against Weber State. I'd be shocked if Cam Rising played this week. Based And once again, Coach Witt said, like, oh, yeah, he's a full participant in practice, but we're still waiting on the full clearance. So that just gives you a sign of kind of where he's at in his recovery and everything. But, um, yeah, so Nate's the guy going forward. Bryson, yeah, just not a good game from him at all. Um, another thing that I thought was kind of interesting and just something that's kind of been an underrated storyline the last couple of weeks. I talked about it a little bit in the first game, but – um. I didn't mention this name specifically. There's a guy on offense that Utah misses, and it's not Dalton Kincaid. It's uh, not even um, Brain Daniels, who I blanked out his name for a second, because I actually thought Spencer Fano was really good in this game. Um, it's actually Logan Kendall, Utah's blocking tight end for a year ago. You know, they've used him in multiple ways, just a road grader in the run game, a phenomenal blocker up front. Because Mickey Sugaturaga at tight end has been very up and down to me. He did have the one drop where Bryson found him on when Utah had that where they lost on downs four plays in a row, uh, couldn't move the chains. Second down, Bryson rolls out, does throw, yes, it's a little bit of a low ball, but one, it hits Mickey right in the hands. he got to come down with it. He drops that one too, but did make another grab, I believe, in the game. Um, I actually, I remember it now because he got hit and then he flipped upside down basically. Um, but still, also, you can tell he's just still new to the position. There are certain times, like there was a run Utah had in the red zone late in the game where uh, Mickey's running and there's no one there for him to block, so he just stops. And Jaquindon, who's running, runs right into his back. It's like you just you can't do that in that situation. But the very next play, then he works his way up and helps on a, uh, a double team to open a sprint. I think it was the Nate touchdown or it was an, a run that set up the eventual touchdown. But either way, so Mickey's been kind of up and down as a blocker. He's been beat a couple times, you know, still working on just hold, just the technique of the position overall feel for it, blocking through the whistle. Um, all that stuff. So Mickey at tight end has been a little up and down too, but I do see why Utah moved him there. I think he's shown some growth still in potential, but still making mistakes too. And uh, as for Utah's other tight end, of course, Thomas Yasmin, average blocker. He makes mistake in the run game too, but his strength allows him to get away with stuff still because of, he's, he's just that extreme of an athlete. 
And he's also a guy that we know how much Cam Rising loves the tight end position. And who knows, maybe with more reps, maybe Yasmin will have a big game here too. But he was open a couple times in this game. And I think once Cam is back is when we'll see Yasmin used more full, more so towards his potential because I think he has the ability to still make some special plays for this Utah offense. And uh, like I said, I just think because of the quarterback, whether it's Nate, who's just still getting comfortable as a thrower or Bryson who really struggled in this game, just, they're missing him in a couple occasions. And I think Yasmin has a lot of potential to do some really good stuff for this team too. But um, yeah, that's only two positions on the offense. That's how much I had to say on the quarterbacks and tight ends. Still haven't even gotten to the running backs, receivers, O-line and a lot of stuff on the defense too. And uh, you know what? Just, I didn't answer my question. Why did Utah's offense have success late? It was a combination of Nate Johnson playing really well at quarterback, the Utah running backs breaking tackles, um, Mikey Matthews creating separation, the offensive line executing. And I will say, just as throwing a caveat, Baylor also, I thought, made some mistakes. They played really soft coverage, and they gave Mikey Matthews – the first one, Mikey Matthews ended up lined up on a linebacker. Like, good job by Utah exploiting that, but if you're Baylor, you, you just don't want that to happen where you have a shifty route runner like Mikey Matthews and a linebacker's trying to cover him. That's not good there. Um, and then there was other points. Mikey Matthews had grabs where this, there's just those quick slants are open because of how soft the coverage is. So it allows Utah to move the field down the chain. So most of the reason Utah had success was good Utah, but definitely some bad Baylor stuff mixed in there too. But um, yeah, we still got to finish up, as I mentioned, closing out the offense and dive into the defensive uh, game film too. But before we dive into all that, I do want to tell you guys a little bit more about that great often offer I mentioned earlier from our friends at game time. Buying tickets to your favorite events? It shouldn't be stressful. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. They have great deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped over all the fun you have. They have flash deals on last-minute tickets, and they have it's easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event and area. So many ticket websites, it makes it complicated. Are you getting a good deal? What's your seat view going to look like? That's something that's great about Game Time. They allow you to have an image of your seat, so you're not going to be tricked into thinking, that your view isn't going to be less than what it looked like because you have the image of the seat view, which is really nice. They also have the low price guaranteed and event cancellation protection, job loss protection, et cetera. And I mentioned that low price guaranteed. They also have the game time guarantee, which means you'll get always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section in a row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. So snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code Locked On College for $20 off your first purchase. Terms do apply. But again, create an account and redeem code Locked On College for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, lowest price guaranteed. Also, I want to tell you guys about an exciting thing we have going on here at the Locked On College Network, where we have Locked On College Football Kickoff, or excuse me, Locked On College Football Kickoff Live. Each Friday, Locked On will go live from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern, so 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Mountain Time on every Locked On College YouTube channel. So if you guys want to tune into the show, in which they'll be covering the playoff implications, the biggest games each week, and just and the biggest storylines, you can find that each Friday by the Locked On uh, on, on Locked On YouTube channel or whatever you whatever Locked On shows you're listening to. It'll be available there as long as it's Locked On College Channel related. Uh, Drake Toll, Alex Dono, the whole crew, they do a great job. So make sure you guys uh, check out Locked On College Football Kickoff Live every Friday from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern Time on Locked On College YouTube channel. You won't want to miss it. Already diving back into the film. Let's go back to the running backs a little bit. We talked about quarterbacks, and I slipped in a quick thing on the tight ends. Uh, Jaquin and Jackson and Jalen Glover were both great in this game, I thought. They both broke multiple tackles, showed exceptional vision. Jaquin and Jackson had the biggest play for Utah in the first half when he had that long 30-yard run. He broke at least three, if not four, tackles on that play. Like The offensive line did a good job executing, too, but like there was at least three tackles he broke on that play before he showed off the elite speed that 
almost got Utah in position to score a touchdown, but uh, there was a tough, I was a tough holding call. Actually, that was an accurate holding call. There was a holding call on Mokafisi in that one, and we'll get into the later holding calls on Mokafisi. I didn't agree with those, but this one, Mokafisi was pulling across, and the defensive end, you know, usually as a puller, you're taught to stay tight to the line. This DN just flew really far upfield, and Moko wanted to get a hand on him, so he ended up grabbing the shoulder pads, like, a, and not just like grabbing inside, like he's running straight and then like he extends his arm out to grab him like that's an obvious holding so i thought that was a fair call there that uh stumped that utah drive but yeah jalen had some awesome plays late as i mentioned i love i do like that he scored the touchdown i mentioned this on yesterday's show you take the guaranteed points to me i just i've seen too many teams like just lose it by trusting up for their kicker and all that and i just trust the utah defense to make the stop and make the stand as they did even if it was a little close for comfort but jalen and jaquindon are going to be very potent as Utah's one-two running back punch. Um, it does sound like we're going to see more Chris Curry going forward to obviously just a very difficult situation with what happened with Makai Bernard, but the running back room does have some depth in it. So I was very encouraged by what I saw from Jalen and Jaquind in this game. Both I thought played really good games, breaking tackles, showing off the vision, um, dragging defenders for extra yards too. I think both these guys are going to be stars on this Utah offense. Jaquindon, especially this year, and Jalen next year. Jalen could be the best player on this offense next year. I think he's got a chance to do that. Um, Moving on. Then let's talk about the wide receivers. As I mentioned, Mikey Matthews popped late. Just such a strong route runner. Second and 15. Shook the linebacker out of his cleats on the nice little in route there. And uh, broke another tackle to guarantee the first down. And then, yeah, I mean, thanks to Baylor for playing that soft coverage and allowing him to work because he is – such a shifty and crafty route runner, he's able to create that separation because there's so much space between him and the Baylor defenders because they're playing so far off of where he is. He's able to make those easy grabs. So many defenses get themselves in trouble by playing prevent and like getting nervous late in the games, not giving up the big play. Um, and that's in some ways what happened there. But do credit Mikey Matthews for creating that separation. Money Parks also made a couple nice grabs to uh, Vele had one or two good plays. He should have had even more. He was one, especially I felt like that Bryson missed multiple times throughout the game. I saw some people mention it like Mikey and uh, Money being the best receivers on this team right now. I think Vele is going to work his way back in there once Cam gets back. Or even with Nate in there, I think he'll get more opportunities. They already connected once in this game, him and Nate did. So I'm still really high on Vele. Even Emery Simmons a couple times. Like he's popped open both these games once or twice. Like I still think he's going to pop a big play, whether it's with Nate or once Cam gets back healthy. So I'm still pretty high on this Utah receiving core. I think they're capable of making some plays, and I think very soon they're going to get some opportunities to do so, whether it's with Cam or if Nate Johnson continues to develop and grow as a passer in general. So really liked what I saw from the receivers too overall, and I thought Utah's passing game issues for the most part this game were not due to their inability to get open, but Bryson's struggles reading the defense and just getting comfortable in the pocket. And overall, I thought the offensive line gave him a good amount of time. Utah, I saw Baylor's defense was credited with three sacks. I didn't feel like it watching it. I, I do remember the one that they have, I think, late, like at one point in the game where they swung Bryson down. But um, yeah, overall, I felt like the offensive line did a pretty good job, um, gave up those three sacks, as I mentioned. I thought Fano was much better this week. I thought last week, you know, he had three penalties, I think, a couple of missed blocks. I thought he, yeah, there's still going to be a few mistakes there. But everyone on the offensive line made, made mistakes. I thought Fano was pretty good. In fact, this is where it's like a push and tug thing, but like I think you could make an argument that Fano was Utah's best tackle in this game. I thought Satawa definitely had a little bit of a down game in this one, got beaten pass protection a couple times, uh, beaten the run game too in general. So a uh, credit for Baylor for making it tough on him. Satawa still played pretty good overall, but definitely beat more in this game than he was against Florida too. So uh, overall still a solid performance by both the Utah's tackles though, especially Fano, as I mentioned, really encouraged by his growth and development. Um, I did not like the holding calls on Mokafisi, the two in the second half especially. 
um, especially the one on the Jaquin Jackson touchdown run. I felt like he was still inside. I felt like the linebacker just kind of given up. He flailed his hand, hands in the air. And the ref who was actually closest to the play, the one who was standing in the middle of the field, he didn't throw his flag. I've watched it back a couple times. Unless he just like got it stuck and threw it after the camera got off, I think it was another ref who didn't have as good of an angle. So I didn't like that. I feel like Moko did a good job keeping those hands inside, as I mentioned, and I don't think that should have been a flag. And even the one earlier, I felt like he was still in a good enough position. I didn't feel like that was an egregious holding either. I felt like both the ones that were called on Mokafisi is the type of blocking you see every single play. You genuinely can call holding on every single play. And I thought those were just examples of like because of the location of it is why Moko was called. Like if that was on the line of scrimmage, I don't think it's called. And I don't even, once again, I don't think that was holding. I think that's that's legal what he was doing, keeping his hands inside. And yeah, I, I disagreed with that call. But it didn't matter. Utah got the first down and scored later anyway. So that's that. And Kump and Keaton Bills were also pretty good overall. Both had little mistakes here and there in the run game, misses, stuff like that. But that's just, just kind of normal stuff in general. Utah's offense was very one-dimensional, so it also very very much hurt them. There were multiple times that Utah would run it. You got the five blockers, but sometimes you're facing six. There was one time that Utah had eight guys in the block, but they were facing a nine-man box. So that's where that one guy was able to come up and limit what would have been a really big run to a four-yard gain only because everyone does their job. There's just too many to block. That's where having Cam back and... Nate could get there as a passer. They will not respect Nate's arm until he continues to grow. Defenses won't, but hopefully that's where Nate can make them pay, and then they will expect his arm, and then the backs will uh, will free up a little bit. Although with what a good runner Nate is, that's gonna be uh, that's gonna be tough to do just in general overall. So um, yeah, so the offensive line I thought was really good overall, as I mentioned, and um, yeah, just very encouraged about this Utah offense right now to be two and zero against two solid Power Five programs with backup quarterbacks, both of which making like. Bryson May's first ever start with the game plan being designed for him. Nate getting his first like op- couple snaps in these last two weeks operating the offense, and you're two and zero with one of those being a road win in Waco. I think is really encouraging. So I'm liking when I see how this use offense. And I thought Andy Ludwig did a good job, or in Kyle Whittingham, however he was involved in that too, making the switch to go with the uh, go with Nate in that scenario. I thought that was the the best call there. So. Yeah, as I mentioned, that will do it for our offense talk. I do want to dive into this defense, though, in a second. I got a lot to say about the defense, but first, want to talk, especially Utah's second half defense because they showed some special things. But first, got to talk to you guys about our great friends at FanDuel Sportsbook. Get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use, and you can bet on everything from the spread to the player props and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. Hope your guys' NFL teams won, but uh, even if they didn't in week one, you're feeling good about the matchups they got in week two, head over to FanDuel. Capitalize on some great odds and deals that they have going on over there. So let's talk about this Utah defense. First half, they got pushed around a little bit, right? Uh, Front seven especially was gashed a little bit in the run game. Also credit their receivers, honestly, throughout the game, uh, made a couple of really tough grabs. The passing game wasn't there overall for Baylor, but they did make a couple of just like big plays because of the um, the one jump ball their receiver run. He just out-jumped, I believe it was Zamaya Vaughn and Cole Bishop there. Credit him for making that play. Um, But let's go back to the front seven. The defensive line really got pushed around early, and I thought the change from the first half to the second half was actually as simple as one guy and other guys played it well, better too, but it was junior Tafuni. You could tell it was his first game back. I mentioned on yesterday's show, there was one play in particular. He got pancaked. Um, he was just pushed around a little bit more in the first half. And the Utah defensive line was in general. Junior Tafuna was the dominant force that led to RG three and Bob Wishuza 
naming him like the impact defensive player at the beginning of the broadcast. Junior Tafuna in the second half was a man on a mission, and he was an elite run-stuffing defensive tackle. Did a great job engaging with guys and flowing to the ball, controlling his gap. Um, there was one stretch run in particular where I believe it was Lander Barton actually got pushed back in the second half, and it would have been pretty easy for the Baylor back to turn the corner and get a first down when the Bears were in the red zone, and Junior drove his guy back, so it caused the run to be stretched out. Like It just took the back longer to be able to turn the corner, and by the time he was able to, Lander was able to get around his block and push the guy to bounce. That's only possible because of Junior's big play. So uh, Also did a really good job taking on double teams. In the first half, he did get pushed around, but in the second half especially, and even towards the end of the first half, he had a couple stops where Junior Tafuna looked like the Junior Tafuna that was Pac-12 defensive freshman of the year, and that was the dominant force on last year's Pac-12 championship team. So really loved what I saw from Junior Tafuna. He is his team's best run-defending defensive tackle. Oh, Keanu Tanavasa made some nice plays too. He had the uh, – Utah had scored their touchdown. It was the first play of the second-to-last drive for Baylor, the one that ended with the Cole Bishop interception. Tanavasa shoots through two offensive linemen, makes a tackle for loss right there. So – Really love what I've seen from Keanu Tanovasa. Just an explosive defensive tackle. Uses his hands very well. Got the sack last week. But um, he did a good job taking on his assignments too. Holding his gaps. Freeing up linebackers to come in and make plays. So credit those two in particular. Those two are Utah's best two defensive tackles right now. Aliki Vaimahi, David Fotu. Both came in and made nice plays in this game. But Tafuna and Tanovasa are the two that really popped off the tape to me from a defensive tackle standpoint. And I thought they deserve a lot of credit for Utah's strong run defensive performance. But I also give credit to the trio of Jonah Ellis, Logan Fano, and Van Fillinger. And also, hopefully, we'll get Connor O'Toole back in a couple weeks. Coach Witt said he will be back in the next about week or so, I believe, was the quote he had in his press conference today. But, um, yeah, he, I said this before. Coach Witt called O'Toole the best pass rusher. I really want to see it because Jonah Ellis just continues to make things happen. I mean, he had a really nice spin move late in this game and uh, just does a good job breaking. Yeah, there was also a holding call. He got held one time, might have gotten a sack, and they don't call it. That was a blatant one, too. That was like moco levels where, like I said, like – the guy's arm is like draped across his chest. And that's the only thing preventing him from getting to the quarterback. It's not like he's locked up with him inside, cutting him off with his body. Like Moku was on a, on his holding earlier. So love that I've seen from Jonah. Fano is such an incredible athlete off the edge and his speed and quickness and very good hit with his hands as well. And then uh, Van made some nice plays too on the edge. We know he's an elite run defender and I really like him rushing from the interior. He did have a couple pressures or I think just one in particular rushing from the interior. So this is a really elite defensive line that Utah's got, especially once you get, the if the three I feel the best about right now are Junior, Tano Vasa, and then Jonah Ellis for all three downs. And then if it's third and long, I want Fano in and probably first and second right now. I like Van and Van's a little bit stronger, so a better run defender. But Fano is a better athlete and more explosive, so he's the better pass rusher. So good to have depth along this defensive line. And that's without Simote Peppa still coming back hopefully soon. So very excited about this position, the Utah defensive line. And, and man, it was great to see Junior Tufuna really wreck the Baylor Bears run game in the second half. But also responsible with wrecking that run game was the linebackers. I thought Leovani Demuni played really well all game long. He was one of the top guys for Utah in terms of tackles, did a good job getting around offensive linemen and making plays. But Lander Barton struggled a little bit in the first half getting off blocks, but in the second half especially, he had the blitz late in the game that um, he was the one that forced the interception Cole Bishop had. He also had another one where he shot through a gap and made a huge tackle and uh, yeah, just throughout the second half, really, I thought Lander Barton really popped off the screen, too, just flying all over the field, making plays, doing a good job getting off of blocks, too. And uh, I do think Utah missed Karene Reed in the first half, missed him a little less in the second half, but they'll be excited to get Karene Reed back here back in the near future just because it's nice to have three really elite linebackers to me. And uh, Demuni and Barton, I thought those two played pretty well overall for most of the game. As I mentioned, Lander struggled a little in the first half, but just in totality, those two were really good in this one and excited to get Karene Reed back, too, so you can keep those 
just either two of those guys on the field at all at all times or just continue to keep him fresh overall because uh those are three really good linebackers. And I do believe after watching it back, I think that should have been a fumble where Lander Barton uh, laid the wood on one of their running backs. I believe he caught the ball, took two steps, turned. I, as I understand the rule, that should have constituted as a football move, especially when it was the call on the field. I just don't think there was enough there to overturn it. I'm not, if it was called the other way, I would have understand if they kept it that way. But since it was called on the field, I thought it was a fumble in real time. I, I do think it should have stayed a fumble, but at the end of the day, not that big of a deal because as we know, Utah won. Uh, then let's go to the Utah corners. Solid overall, really good. The one thing I don't like that I mentioned as a Florida, it wasn't as much of a concern, but it showed up against Baylor a little too. They, they have gotten beat a couple times, and there was uh, th- at least two or three throws in this game where Baylor, if they had connected, could have had like 60-plus yard touchdowns, like long touchdowns. And Utah's corners, Vaughn and Broughton in particular that I saw, do a really good job of sitting on the short stuff. But then when you get athletes running at you full speed, you really got to just flip those hips, turn and run quicker, in my opinion. And they've been getting, they've been beat over the top a couple times in, in this one. And sometimes they got burned. Sometimes the Baylor quarterback missed the throw, but Caleb Williams isn't going to miss that throw. Michael Penix isn't going to miss that throw. Bo Nix isn't going to miss that throw. So that's just something Utah's to clean up on a little bit. And I know maybe that's on Utah safeties a little bit too, to be over the top, but there's a lot of things going on. And, uh, yeah, those guys got beat behind them a couple times too. So that's a small concern. But overall, still really good games from JT Broughton, Zamaya Vaughn in this one. Zamaya Vaughn with the great interception. JT Broughton had a couple nice um just, just coverage in general where he just did a good job. There was one touchdown in the end zone. He was targeted, did a great job uh passing off the twist with I forgot who the other corner was in that situation. So still really like what I've seen from Utah's top two corners. And uh Teo Johnson made some nice plays in this one too. Still a little, I think he got beat once. But um, still overall, like what I've seen from Teo, too. He had a huge tackle in the run game. Uh, one time they tried to set up a screen, shot right through, and made a huge stop. Uh, let's talk about Miles Battle going for his stuff. Yeah, that one big pass he gave up at the end of the game, that one was unfortunate because he's in the position to make the stop. He just didn't time. He just jumped too early. Had he waited a little bit longer and ran instead of jumping, he would have easily knocked that ball out of bounds. And uh, And then we don't even get to his pass interference. I keep the same thoughts I had on yesterday's show. If that had happened at any point in the game outside of the final two minutes, I believe it's probably called pass interference. I do agree with Coach. I disagree with Coach Wade. I know he said that uh, he thought it was a good no call. And I guess I agree it was a good no call for the circumstances. Once again, them not calling it there is consistent with what they've done in the final two minutes. They do not want to decide the outcome of a game unless it is blatantly obvious, like grabbing a guy, dragging him down like a, a fierce hold. I don't think they're going to call it. Zamaya Vaughn does restrict the Baylor receiver from jumping. He has his arm over his other arm, and it's just really there's close, a lot of contact there. So I was good with the no call because of the situation. Most other points in the game, that was probably pass interference. But also, I still don't think it made that big of a difference because I just don't – you go to the next play, they get another 15 yards. I still don't think they score on that next pass after that. Sawyer Robertson, I know he just lofted that one up. Who's to say even if he didn't interfere, he probably wasn't going to make that grab anyway. So that's another thing too where just in general, I feel like if it wasn't, uh, didn't make that much of a difference. Final thing to talk about as it relates to this Utah defense, uh, and I will actually slide in. How about how encouraging was it for uh, Cole Becker to continue blasting those uh, those PATs? Uh, oh, Jack Bowmeister, as I blanked out his name for a second, another strong punting outing, and Micah Pittman with that really strong return. It was really unfortunate that I believe it was his first or second punt return of the game that Utah wasn't able to do anything with it after he did a great job showing off the speed, squeezing it down the right sideline to get Utah over the fifty. But the last group I want to talk about is Utah safeties. Sione Vaki and Cole Bishop are. I still believe the best safety tandem in the Pac-12 and one of the best in the country. Cole Bishop had huge plays all game long, cr- clutch tackles for loss, 
also with that interception and just always flying across the field, making plays. And same thing with Sione Vaki. Sione Vaki is always there to prevent a big play, a great at tackling in space too. Just an elite safety tandem does a good job of limiting offenses through the air. And they're both elite run defenders. Utah's lucky to have both those guys. I, I can't say enough good things about them. I think they're both tremendous players on the back end. And um, yeah, I'm just excited to continue to have, I'm just glad they get to continue to have opportunities. And it's awesome that, Vaki already has one interception and Bishop already has one interception on the season because those guys deserve uh, the kind of more flashy stats like that, like interceptions, because they make so many other plays that don't get unnoticed, whether it's or even just the tackles they do. It's like that's such a clutch, crucial tackle, because if it wasn't for that stop right there, it's a 20 yard gain or just it could be a huge first down momentum swing. But Bishop and Vaki both do a great job coming down to run support, getting around those blocks and uh, and making plays when their team need it most. So uh Overall, really encouraged by this Utah team. They deserve to be. They're ranked 12th in the AP poll, I still think, believe. Um, they deserve to be there. They don't have their starting quarterback, and they don't have their top pass catcher, and they're down multiple other starters, and they're 2-0 despite playing two Power 5 teams. I believe Utah and Colorado, I saw, are actually the only two teams that have done that. I might have fallen victim to some fake report thing if that if there are other schools, but we know that Utah and Colorado for sure have. And, of course, both those schools are 2-0 in there. So uh, just another notch for the, for the Pac-12 in general. Speaking of the Pac-12, make sure you guys tune in tomorrow. I'll be having Spencer McLaughlin on my show. We're going to talk about where Utah ranks in the Pac-12, just the overall depth and strength of the Pac-12. That'll be on tomorrow's show. But before we get out of here, I did think we should take an opportunity quick just to talk about how cool it was to see Dalton Kincaid in the NFL. And that looked like Dalton Kincaid out there too, right? Uh, just doing a great job finding the soft spots against zone coverage. Just so good at getting open, making those tough grabs that he does. Uh, he had four catches for 26 yards. No touchdowns in this one. And, of course, the Bills did lose to the Jets in just a, a – wild game and uh, everything that occurred in that contest but um yeah love seeing Dalton out there um it's cool especially for me Dalton was the first one of the first players I ever interviewed when I was an intern inside the athletic department so to know like just to be like wow I interviewed someone and he's catching passes from uh from Josh Allen is sick just like I interviewed the very first athlete I ever interviewed with the athletic department was Terrell Burgess so to like be like wow I interviewed a Super Bowl champion is just it's something cool it's something cool like that and it's the same thing with just in general like I never interviewed Devin Lloyd but I love watching Devin Lloyd play football because he went to the University of Utah never you interviewed Britton Covey Marcus Williams loved watching them do their thing too and Devin Lloyd three tackles helped the Jags get a win Britton Covey had that awesome punt return that went viral a little bit Marcus Williams I believe he got hurt again I heard but he did help a little bit the uh, Texans offense for the Ravens too. So uh, just great to see all these various youths going out there and making plays. And uh, as I said, especially Dalton became such a fan favorite for these past two years, just especially last year for his, just the big plays and just what a special playmaker he turned out to be. And uh, it was cool to see him get off to play so many snaps, get off to a strong start and, uh, and make his impact in game one. And uh, it's only going to continue to go up from here. So excited to see what Dalton's going to continue to do. And just excited to continue to watch youths in the NFL because uh, just a great reminder about what the Utah brand it's just in that next position where you grow into number one, who doesn't love watching like good people and just good players succeed. That's what all four of the guys already mentioned do and could throw in a lucky photos on the Cardinals too. And so many other NFL players that have come from Utah in general, but uh, also just speaks to the position the Utah football program is in that they're putting out so much NFL talent. So once again, really excited about the Utah football brand right now. And uh, just looking forward to continuing to watch it grow in general because uh, they're two and zero right now. And it's, the train ain't slowing down. So that's going to do it for today's edition of Locked on Utah. As I mentioned, tomorrow, Spencer McLaughlin will be joining me. We'll talk about where Utah ranks in the Pac-12 amongst all the other teams. Eight teams ranked for the Pac-12 in the AP Top 25. Pretty, pretty cool. And uh, if Utah were to somehow stay undefeated or only or be a one-loss conference champion, sounds like a resume because of all the teams, the ranked opponents you'd have wins against that could be college football, playoff bound potentially. We'll talk about that a little bit tomorrow, too, and uh, also talk about the value of playing FCS schools as uh, Utah does, of course, have a game this week against Weber State. That will all be on tomorrow's Locked On Utes. We'll see you then.